0: Thank you, Angela and the team. So good, as always, to be able to worship together. And uh, another very warm welcome to you this morning. If you're joining us here at 140 Clark Street, or if you're joining us online, it's good to have you with us uh, in that way too. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central Church. And uh, so good to be able to be here, as I said. And uh, just want to say it's great to be able to have uh, this new stage set up with the lighting and the sound and the screens. Uh, and We just want to give a very warm uh, and big thank you to um, Mike and all of the team at Signature Sound who've helped us set this up. And also everyone from the church who's helped in terms of uh, getting PA set up. Uh, cleaning, setting things up, chairs, setting down, all of that is great. Thank you so much. Lots have gone on in this last week and it's good to be here this morning and see it like this. So we've been preaching through the book of Acts over the last few months and we now found ourselves in chapter 11 and verse 19. If you have a Bible you might want to turn to that chapter and the words will also appear on the screen. We're going to read that Chapter now, uh, from verse 19 through to verse 30 of chapter 11. It says this, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. All right, well, this morning I'd love to preach uh, and focus in on verse 24, which uh, says in regard to Barnabas, he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And specifically, we will look at how Barnabas' faith enabled him to see what others couldn't see. See what others couldn't see and then act on that faith. I'm entitled the message, Faith to See. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says this about faith. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see another translation uh, might have said faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see and of course the faith that the writer to the Hebrews was talking about is faith in God faith in God people can have faith in all sorts of things but that faith isn't always well placed some people had faith this year that the Leafs were going to overcome the Habs Um, didn't happen I've heard some people say, oh, I've got faith in faith. What does that even mean? Uh, When I was 17 years old, we did a morning of trust games while I was at school. That was supposed to help us with our self-confidence. You know, the kind of thing where people stand behind you and you're supposed to fall backwards into their arm and they have to catch you and things. And I remember being in this classroom, it wasn't a huge classroom, and they blindfolded me. I was the first person to do this exercise. They put a blindfold on me and they said, we're gonna stand everyone else in the class all around the room. And they said, we want you to run Towards the wall and as you get to the wall someone's gonna stop you turn you around and then you run towards the other wall And it was this kind of thing where they're supposed to all be working together and helping you and uh, So as this was a trust game. I decided okay I'm gonna trust I'm gonna have faith in what literally I couldn't see because I had this blindfold on and I started running the next thing I knew BAM I ran straight into the wall my nose started bleeding. <laughs> it wasn't a good <laughs> start to the exercise. In fact, that was the end to that exercise. Um, the person who should have stopped me was evidently distracted at that point, And my faith was misplaced. Faith in God is never misplaced because God is ultimately faithful. He's always faithful. We see it in his word. We'll see it played out in the life of Barnabas. Let's dig a little deeper and see what was going on with Barnabas and the church in Antioch. Antioch was a big city, a huge city really, in Syria. Uh, Around half a million people at the time. That's ten times larger than Jerusalem was. Uh, Huge international influence. It was a Gentile city, um, but it was one of the places that a group of believers had fled to when Stephen had got martyred and then persecution had broken out and If you remember, the believers had scattered all over the known world. And many people, some people went to Antioch as well. And the believers from Cyprus and Cyrene, who are now in Antioch, they start telling the Greeks or the Gentiles, non-Jews, about Jesus. Now, this is a pretty new thing. This is probably going on about the same time as what we saw last time when Peter and Cornelius are having their exchange and Peter's seeing gentiles getting saved well it's happening in antioch as well um god is saving non-jews he's saving greeks he's saving gentiles so the church in jerusalem get to hear about this and they think man we'd better find out what is going on in antioch we'd better send someone to go and check it out so they send barnabas well why barnabas Well, first of all, he was from that area himself. He was from Cyprus. It would have made sense as Antioch was close to Cyprus. It was the Cypriot believers who'd gone and started sharing the gospel with people from Antioch. But that's not the reason that Luke gives as to why Barnabas was sent. Luke says he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Very similar criteria, if you remember back to Acts chapter 6... Remember where there was that dispute between uh, the different widows, the Grecian widows and the Jewish widows, and food wasn't getting distributed, and the apostles decided we're going to have to sort this out. And they said, appoint some people who are full of the Holy Spirit and, and wisdom, they said at the time. Very similar to this. Barnabas is full of the Holy Spirit and faith. If you notice as you read the Bible, God doesn't look for people who are talented or gifted or have skills in this area or skills in that area. God is always looking at people's hearts and God is always looking for people who are full of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament and faith. Those are the things that God commends. Those are the things that God commends. And we first meet Barnabas back in Acts chapter four you remember Barnabas wasn't his real name, it was his nickname. His real name is Joseph, um, but his nickname, Barnabas, is translated by Luke as son of encouragement. In fact, the Greek word that Luke uses for encouragement goes even further than that. The Greek word is paraklesis, which is actually connected to the word for the Holy Spirit, parakletos. In other words, the encouragement that Barnabas brought was because he was so full of the Holy Spirit, that he was able to see things in faith that others couldn't see. And so he encouraged people because of that. He encouraged people in the Holy Spirit. He encouraged people in what God was doing among them. And others maybe couldn't see that. Biblical encouragement isn't just saying, oh, great job. Oh, hey, you look, you look fantastic this morning. It's giving someone courage, encouraging them, giving someone courage based on God's truth and based on what the Holy Spirit is doing to press on, to walk in faith into things that are not yet seen. So let's see what this faith of Barnabas helped him to see and how that played out in Antioch. Well, the first thing that we see is that Barnabas' faith helped him to see the big picture, the big picture of what God was doing. Barnabas refused to think small. He had vision. He saw what God was doing in the church, and his eyes weren't just upon what was going on in his own life. So in chapter 4, we saw that play out very early on in the life of the church, the spirit has fallen on people, many people being saved, it must have been a crazy time, people being saved, people being added to this group, and there's all sorts of issues going on as we've seen, some people have got wealth, some people haven't, some people are struggling, it's all happening, and Barnabas sees what God's doing in these early days, and he fully invests in the early church, he fully invests he has a field, and he says, do you know what, I'm going to sell this field, I'm going to put the money at the apostles' feet, they can distribute it as it's needed, but do you know what, we're going to need some finance, people are going to need help in this church, I'm going to fully invest in this thing that God is doing, which is all very new. The Holy Spirit leads Barnabas to do that, to be very practical in what he does. Sometimes we get the impression that being filled where the Spirit is all about speaking in tongues or prophesying. Hey, being filled with the Spirit often gets worked out in very practical ways. Barnabas sees a very practical need, and he does what he can to meet it, knowing that it's part of building the church of Jesus Christ. He's believing God for the church. He's not only believing it in his heart and in his head, he's investing in it. He's putting his money where his faith is. And many of us have got hold of that kind of faith, too. When we see it as people give regularly to the work of the church, to give regularly on an ongoing basis, supporting the different ministries that we have going on here. Works like Kids Club, which is reaching out to many needy families in, uh, in the community, including many who've come from other nations. And increasingly, we're going to see other ministries coming about as well that that finance is going to help support. We've seen it in people giving to gift day um, so that we can continue to renovate this building that God's given us. So the money that was given at the last gift day actually went towards some of this sound and lighting system um, that, we've, that we've got from today. Also, we were able to give some of that money to other ministries uh, in the city, such as Village of Hope, Boaz Ministries, Marysville Baptist Church, Devon Middle School, Partners for Youth, Fredericton Emergency Shelter, the Women's Transition Center and Hospice House. All of those things we were able to give to because people are seeing something that God is doing and they're saying we're going to give towards it. We're going to put our money where our faith is. And of course, many of us already and continue to give sacrificially in terms of our time. And I've already mentioned that even this week, people were giving of their time, volunteering, to really build the church build the work that God is doing here in the church and in the city. So Barnabas goes to Antioch, and he's able to see the big picture of what God's doing in that situation. It says, when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done, and he was glad, and he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas sees what the grace of God has done. Now, as we read it, we might think, well, that that kind of seems obvious. It seems obvious what God's doing. Of course, people are being saved, and they're turning to the Lord. Of course, he's going to see what the grace of God has done. But, you know, surprisingly, maybe, people aren't always aware of what God is doing. We're not always aware of what God is doing in a situation. It often needs people with eyes of faith to see the big picture, and then encourage each other in that. You might think it's obvious, but ask yourself the question Do you see what the grace of God is doing in the lives of people here, in Fredericton, in the church here? If I said to you, What is God doing in people's lives? Would you know? Would you have seen it? Because God is doing things in the lives of people here. Have you heard the stories, week? After week, as we gather, maybe sometimes people bring testimonies and they explain, this is what God is doing in my life. Are we getting hold of that in faith and saying, wow, God is at work? Are we hearing things as we gather as a life group or in other contexts and are we saying, hey, God is doing things in our situation, even in very difficult times? You see, for many of us, it's very easy to get focused in on what's going on in our own lives. We get the blinkers on. We just see our own struggles often, the things that are going on in our own life. And it's understandable in many ways. Life is tough. Sometimes there are natural disasters or global events like war, um, which hugely affect our lives. And currently, obviously, most of us, all of us, have been affected in one way or another by the global pandemic although we might not have experienced it so severely as other parts of the world. But life hasn't been easy for any of us over these last 15 months. Many of us have been unable to see our families. Some of us have had knock-on health concerns. There's been economic consequences, as well as the stress and anxiety. And then there's the day-to-day difficulties of all of our lives. Things going on with our children, things going on in our marriages, in our relationships, with our friendships, in our jobs, maybe with our health. Those things are real things, and they can understandably become our focus, but when they become our focus, we can sometimes fail to see the big picture of what God is doing. So for those living in Antioch at the time and the surrounding areas, similar things could have easily been distracting the new believers. If you think about it, very recently, they've all just been scattered from where they were living. Persecution has gone on after Stephen's death. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Being forced to flee from your home in fear of your life. Some of us have actually experienced that for ourselves, even here today. But most of us haven't. People were living in unfamiliar places, they were living with few possessions, not much means of financial support. They would have been fearful that even where they'd fled to, they were still going to be pursued. Remember, Saul initially was going and pursuing even to the places where people had fled to. They could have been fearful even of their lives, just in the same way as many Jews were fearful in uh, the 30s and 40s with Nazi Germany's Rise in the Second World War. And then, of course, there were natural disasters as well. Agabus, a prophet, comes down from Jerusalem, and uh, you might think, oh, great, a prophet. He's going to really encourage us, and he predicts there's going to be a famine across the entire Roman world. These people were already struggling. They'd already been persecuted. They'd already got a number of other issues going on, and now there's going to be a famine? on top of everything else, it probably wasn't what they were wanting to hear. And we hear this actually came about, the famine in the reign of Claudius. This news could have been overwhelming to the believers in Antioch. But yet, in response to this prophetic word, Barnabas and Saul, they arranged for a collection of money to be taken to the believers elsewhere in Judea. Barnabas helps people to see beyond themselves. He's not saying, hey, guys, there's going to be shortages. You need to stock up with toilet paper. You know, make sure you do the Costco run before this happens. That's not what the prophetic word was leading them to do. He's saying, no, 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 we need to look wider. We need to look at how we can help support others. And that's exactly what happened. Barnabas is full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He sees what God's doing and saying, and he responds in faith. So easy to have our minds focused on the difficult, understandable circumstances in our lives, but Barnabas sees something different. He sees what the grace of God has done. He's glad, and he encourages them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. That implies that there was a strong temptation not to remain true to the Lord with all our hearts. What is it that Barnabas is actually seeing? He's seeing persecution turning into preaching of God's word. He's seeing sorrow turning in to salvation. That's the grace of God that's at work. He's seeing what God is doing in people's hearts Because God takes things which look hopeless, and outside of him, they are hopeless, and he turns them around for his glory. Persecution brought about much distress. Becoming a refugee, fleeing for your life, produces much sorrow and pain. Yet the grace of God at work led to the preaching of the gospel and led to people being saved in Antioch, people finding life in all of its fullness in Christ Jesus. The gospel was going out to the nations, but the context of it was pain, hardship, suffering. And God doesn't spare his people from suffering in this present age, but he uses that suffering to bring people to himself. That's the very same thing that happened with Jesus, the son of God himself. He wasn't spared suffering and agony on the cross. He even prayed. God, if there's another way, but there was no other way. Romans 8.32 said, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also among, along with him graciously give us all things? Suffering was the very means that the Father used to bring us into the grace and generosity of life which comes from himself. And it's tempting to try and escape that. It's tempting to try and find another way. Jesus, is there another way? God, do I have to go through this suffering? Why me? Why am I doing all this? Why have you brought all these things on my life? Surely there's some other way that you have for me. Yet so often God says, no, it's through you and it's through this life that you are living that I am going to work with my grace and bring salvation to many. Some of us have gone through some very dark, tough times in our life. Don't be fooled into believing the lie that God has deserted you. It's a sign that God wants to work in you and through you to bring life to others. Barnabas had eyes to see what God was doing, even in these difficult times. He was able to use his gift of encouragement and faith to help the believers in Antioch to stay strong, to persevere in their walk with God. He was full of faith that God could take these difficult situations of life and transform them for his glory. That's the first thing that we see Barnabas had. And secondly, and finally, Barnabas was full of faith for others. Barnabas saw what God was doing in other people, even when others around him were not able to see it. So as as Barnabas visits Antioch and he sees all that God's doing there, he remembers Saul. He knew Saul from previously, and he remembers him, and he thinks Saul is the man for this city and for this time. That's who God has got his hand on. So Barnabas goes to try and find Saul. And Saul, if you remember, had gone to Tarsus. He'd already had some involvement with um, Barnabas. You remember Saul had been persecuting the church um, before he got miraculously converted on the road to Damascus. And then when he was now a Christian, he goes to Jerusalem and he tries to join the believers there in the church. But of course, they're like, we don't want anything to do with you because you have been persecuting us. And it's Barnabas who goes and he vouches for him. Barnabas says, no, 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 this is what God's done in his life. Barnabas is the one who convinces the believers in Jerusalem, no, no, no. welcome Saul. He's now saved. He's now a Christian. He's now one of us. But then Saul's life gets threatened, so he ends up going to Tarsus for a number of years. But now Barnabas feels it's time for Saul to come to Antioch to help with what God's doing there. So he travels to Tarsus and he persuades him to come to Antioch. And it says, for the next year, Barnabas and Saul meet with the church in Antioch, and they spend the year teaching them. Barnabas takes Saul from the place that he was in, and he sees in faith what he can become. And then he practically starts to walk things out with him, step by step. Barnabas and Saul meet with the church and teach them. So Barnabas is there. Barnabas is the lead one, Barnabas and Saul. So people are trusting Barnabas. Who's this guy with Saul? I'm not sure about him. No, 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 we're going to teach. We're going to be together. Interestingly, not very much later in the book of Acts, the two of them stop being described as Barnabas and Saul. They become known as Paul and Barnabas. Remember, Paul's the Roman, the Greek name for Saul. But the order seems to have switched. Now, Paul, who is the younger believer, seems to have matured and he's taken the lead role in the relationship. He's taking the lead. He's grown into the anointing that God has got for him. And Barnabas continues to encourage him and he continues to encourage others in having faith for what people could become. At the end of this chapter that we're in, Barnabas and Saul head off to Jerusalem. They take the gift that they've uh, collected And when they come back, they bring with them John Mark, someone else who Barnabas has obviously got faith for. And John Mark goes along with them, so he's investing now in John Mark. And they travel to various places preaching the word of God, but John Mark doesn't last very long. By Acts 13, he leaves them in Perga, and he returns to Jerusalem. Maybe he's homesick. We don't know the reason, but it seems like Barnabas' faith in him has been proved wrong. You know? not been very long, and he's, he's left them. He's given up. In Acts 15, Saul, or Paul, who is now the leader, says, and the initiator, says, oh, come on, Barnabas, let's go and visit everyone in the towns and the, and the villages uh, that we've been to. And Barnabas says, let's take John Mark with us. And Paul says, oh, we're not taking John Mark with us. Do you remember what happened back in Perga? He left us, he deserted us. I'm not taking John Mark again. But Barnabas is still believing for what God is doing in John Mark, and he argues for him, and he says, no, 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 we need to take him. It says they have such a sharp disagreement, Paul and Barnabas, that actually they separate, and Barnabas takes John Mark, and Paul takes Silas, and they go in separate directions. They have such a disagreement that they part company, but Barnabas will not let go. He won't let go of the faith that he has for what God is doing in John Mark. And you know what? His faith was proved right. Towards the end of Paul's life, he writes to Timothy, and he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Go get Mark, it's the same guy, Go get Mark and bring him with you, because he's useful for me, to me, in my ministry. Paul has finally seen in John Mark what Barnabas saw all along in faith. He's finally seen it. Barnabas had the eyes of faith to see it, and he wouldn't let go. He was someone who was full of faith for others. The work of God in people's lives isn't always obvious to everyone because we all mess things up. We all have character things that we have to deal with, character flaws, and we can easily write ourselves off. And you know what? We can easily write other people off too. We can easily give up on other people and we can give up on ourselves, but God doesn't give up on us, and we mustn't give up on others who are in Christ either. I know personally as a leader how it's very easy when you've invested in someone, you've given time to someone, and then they seem to give up or walk away, or they, you know, they're like, oh, I can't, I can't keep going with this. I'm done. And we think, oh, I've given so much time. And it's very easy to get cynical about investing in people. It's very easy to give up on people. Barnabas' example encourages us to hold on in faith to what we've seen and what we've believed for in someone in the first place. And what I've found in the last 30 years as a Christian and in some form of leadership in the church is that the people who look the most attractive, talented, gifted, Actually, sometimes the ones who don't make it to the end of the race. But as I said earlier, God doesn't look for the talented as he advances his kingdom and builds his church. He's looking for the heart. And it's often those who fly under the radar, who aren't the ones who seem head and shoulders above everyone else, but are like David, the youngest, out in the field, out of the thoughts of others. They're the ones that God sees. And people like Barnabas... See with eyes of faith and they see who people will be in God back in Sheffield which was the church I was in for many years, uh, there was a guy who worked with us on our kids club team actually, he was shy he was awkward, he didn't seem particularly strongly gifted in anything there were certainly other people who had very strong gifts and talents but, and most people would have probably overlooked him but I saw something in him, others did too. I saw something in him and believed that God had got plans for him. I saw his heart. I saw how he responded to situations. I saw how he responded in difficulties. I saw how he pressed through. I saw how he was faithful. I saw how he prayed. And I believe God's got his hand on him for church leadership. And now he's one of the elders and preachers of the church in Sheffield. Now, he's not the finished article, but hey, none of us are. But God is at work. Sometimes we need eyes of faith to see where. So Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And the result of that was a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So, Christ Central Church. We, along with everyone else, we are wearied by the last 18 months events, we are, plus everything else that's going on in all of our lives. It can be very easy just to settle into a way of relating to God and the church, which is kind of just going through the motions, not really believing for anything. Maybe we'll gather once in a while. Maybe we'll help out at one or two things. But I would say that God is saying to us today, Are you truly seeing what I'm doing? Are you seeing the grace of God that is at work in you right now? Let's ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Let's ask God to give us eyes to see what he's doing, ears to hear what he's doing. Paul says in Galatians 6, let's not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Let's not grow weary. For those of us who do see what God is doing, those of us who have that gift of faith, I'd encourage you, encourage others. Help others to see the big picture of what God's doing. Lift people's eyes so that they can see God's church as his glorious bride. We might not look particularly glorious, but we are Christ's beloved. He's passionate for us. He died for us, and he's working in us. And let's see God at work in others, even when it looks like they might have failed, they might have messed up, they might disappoint us, or they might have given up. And for some, our faith might be for our kids. And for some, our faith may be for our spouse. It might be fair. Things very much at home. But let's believe in God's transforming work in their lives. He who began a good work in others will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. But before we sing a final song, I'd love to just pray for us. So why don't we stand together if you're able to do that? Father God, I thank you that you are faithful. You are so faithful. Lord, we put our trust and our hope in you, not in other things. Our faith isn't in faith. Our faith isn't in the things of this world. Our faith and our hope are in you, the unfailing one. And Father God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit now, you will come and you will open our eyes so that we see what the grace of God is doing among us as a church right now. And Lord, it might be so, it's so easy for us to see the difficulties, the problems, the issues. Help us to see what you're doing, the work that you are doing. Father God, I pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh this morning. Fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit Give us faith that we might press on and believe you for what you're doing in the church. Believe you for what you're doing in the lives of our kids. Believe you for what you're doing in the lives of others who we love. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.